Welcome to the Pro Basketball Talk podcast. I'm Dan Feldman. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Patrick Hayes in a piston-powered reunion. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for remembering I exist out there in the, <laughs> in the internet world. How could I forget that you exist? You are writing all over, uh, launching a new Substack on Friday, talking about one of the players we're going to be talking about today, and. Uh, are always finding different outlets to bug me about Michigan losing to Michigan State. Yeah, no, I uh, I have no shortage of places on the internet that let me write stuff sometimes. So uh, that's a, a weird turn my career's taken. But yeah, like most people still probably recognize my byline from Piston Powered. So, so I came up with this concept that I wanted to talk about this week of players uh, who are not yet all-stars who we think are going to become all-stars, who have the best chance of becoming an all-star this year, next year, at any point in their careers. I think we're far enough in the season where we're getting a little bit of taste of how players have progressed. But it's hard to tell exactly what's real, what's not real. Uh, But I thought Patrick would be fantastic at sorting that out because especially covering the Pistons, but following the whole league, but again, especially covering the Pistons, he's seen a lot of young players come through, show some promise early. Some of them have panned out. Some of them haven't. Uh, so to be able to see that difference, uh, he's got a lot of experience on both sides watching it. Uh, someone who who led our draft coverage and really has, a, I think, a keen understanding of how young players progress. But we don't have to talk about only young players in this project. Again, uh, we're making a list of the 10 players that we think are who, the, of, of players who've never been all-stars. The 10 players who've never been all-stars are most likely to become all-stars and i asked patrick to make a top 10 i've made a top 10 and we're going to compare i went well i wanted to go deep with 10 because i think our names at the top are going to be pretty similar uh but let's get a little deeper into it what we'll probably have some more differences for me 615 6 to 15 spots wide open when we get there uh you know again you know you you could put them in any order uh but i did have a very clear number one and i'm curious if it's the same as your number one patrick who do you have number one on this list of players who have not yet been all-stars, but you think are most likely to become an all-star at any point in their career? Oh, you you know who I have number one. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I I have to go with Miles Bridges, number one. Wow. I, I you know, and it's, it's, there's going to be, there's going to be controversy associated with that pick. Um, obviously, Over. I, I live in Flint. Uh, I'm a Michigan State alum, so it's fair to call me a homer for that pick. Um, but I also had, uh, you know, some, some, some context and some uh, kind of some ability to see kind of Miles' career uh, develop before he even got to the NBA when he was just a high school player in Flint, and when you can see things about him and see the the work ethic, and I think it took him. Uh, as as a pro and even in college, you know, he he actually was a lottery pick after his freshman season at Michigan State, decided to stay another season. I think some of that due to Flint's legacy at Michigan State uh, and, and a desire for him to try and win a championship there uh, for some kind of family and community purposes. But you always saw this kind of otherworldly talent. And and for people who don't know much about Flint basketball, it's an incredible hotbed for, for a small city uh, to have, you know, three current NBA or four current NBA players uh, for a city that has about 80,000 people is, is insane. And when you mix that with the history of, of what Flint has continuously produced, um, 
you know, the Miles Bridges talent wise is more talented than any player who's ever come out of Flint. Uh, He's he's who's, uh, you know, just just the raw talent. Obviously, a lot of things can go, you know, back and forth for players. But uh, this season, you're seeing the Miles Bridges that when he was 16 and 17 years old, people were looking at him saying wow if if the if kind of the 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 basketball savvy ever catches up to the these insane physical tools that he has this this guy is going to be special and you're seeing a glimpse of that this season and i don't think that his fast start is an anomaly um i i think that he uh he has an insane work ethic i think he's added things to his game um and you know, I think you're you're seeing that come to fruition for him right now. And I think another thing you can't discount and actually, you know, watching them play the Warriors as as we record this, um, you know, the influence that Draymond Green has had on him and on several young players from Michigan State. Like, let's be real, like no one loves college more than Draymond Green. <laughs> and and the influence he has had, you know, Draymond built his career as someone who uh uh, no one expected to be a lot of people didn't even expect him to make the NBA, let alone be the, the, you know, future hall of fame player he's become. And he has, a he, he was self-made and has this insane psychotic work ethic. And he has instilled that in younger players that he's mentored at Michigan state. And miles is one of those players. Jaron Jackson jr. Is one of those Jaron didn't make my list. So I'm not a total Homer. Um, you know, even a guy who hasn't played a lot in Washington, you know, Cassius Winston shot 40% from three as a freshman last year. And those players, Draymond is around them all the time. He's in their ear all the time. ESPN had it mic'd up with Draymond talking to Miles about getting his bag before the game. So, you know, these guys are, are have, you know, the, the physical tools combined with someone in their ear that actually knows how to make themselves into long-term productive, good NBA players. And I believe fully in Miles Bridges for that reason. I believe that he's going to build on this. And I believe that we're going to look at him as one of the most unique wing players in the league. And he's actually, uh, I'm going to go with my second player on this list, LaMelo Ball. Uh, he's playing with the perfect complement to some of his skills. So if, you know, if he continues playing with LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges is going to have so many easy scoring opportunities. Uh, you know, the the chemistry that exists between those two, um, you know, those are two players I look at as, as, you know, potential future all-stars on a really fun team that the rest of the NBA and and people who watch the NBA are starting to realize, um, you know, Charlotte is super fun to watch and super talented and and really good players on that roster, even if they don't win a lot this year. Um, you know, they're they're formidable and have a really Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The awesome foundation there. So... I'm only half the home where you are. You know, I've got the Flint connection, definitely not the Michigan State connection. So I only had Miles Bridges seventh on my list. Uh, you know, I still think he has a decent shot. He could be an all-star this year. Uh, you know, he's, he's playing that way right now, but it's so early into the season. I'm not sure exactly what to make of it. We've seen some players early in the year in the past, you know, uh, play like this, play above their head. But I'm totally with you. He's got the work ethic. He's got the mentality. Uh, you know, you talked about him as a wing. What I like is how the Hornets are using him more as a power forward. Uh, you know, it's a lot of this doesn't matter so much, but the type of matchups he gets, I think he gets more matchup advantages when he's the more four than the three uh, that he was playing earlier in his career last year, impressed how he showed the shooting touch um, more spot up shooting this year, all the dynamic things off the dribble. That's the new element of his game. He's still young, a lot to like there. Uh, you mentioned LaMelo ball. LaMelo ball was third on my list. Uh, the, I think he's going to be all-star quality. I guess the doubt I have is because he plays such an all-around game. He's a passer. He chips in as a rebounder. Uh, is he going to get the credit because he's not necessarily the primary scorer, but he scores well too. Uh, he's shooting better. I like his track record improvement. Uh, people get lost in some of the hijinks with the ball family, him going to Lithuania, all that. Look how much LaMelo Ball has improved throughout his life. It's very impressive. He's got the court vision, those those ultra-important skills that I think uh, lend to big-time growth. But to me, the number one guy has to be John Morant. John Morant was number one on my list by a mile. He's playing like an all-star already. He's so young. He's been on this track. None of this is surprising. He he's, is, And he's playing like an MVP already. <laughs> he, yes, yes. Like, at this point, I expect him to make the all-star game this year. He might not. There's a chance by the time we get to the all-star game, he might just miss it, maybe. But I think he'll make it. Uh, and if he just misses it, he'll get in in a future year. He, he's got that age. He, he attacks the rim uh, incredibly. Uh, he, he has developed as a shooter. Uh, he's got the playmaking skills. He's got the mentality. Uh, that's so important in judging this. I've got John Morant number one by a mile. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's, that's a, not only a justifiable position, that's the correct position. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, anyone who's read my stuff at Piston Power knows that I am not unafraid of taking an incorrect position. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I have the, you, you know, like, I would put John Morant number one alone just based on, like, the 360 layup he <laughs> tonight. Watch yeah. I mean, he does he does two to three incredible things that we've never seen anyone do with the ball every game and uh you know uh, is a star he's you you know and he, he he was someone even you know as a, as a college player and as a rookie and you you didn't always see exactly how he would he would fit in as a as an NBA player but you just felt like he was a star i mean he had everything and uh you know the the thing that's come together for him is just um 
kind of the mentality that that you know those those it, it, I don't even know what to call the position anymore because they're point guards. But it's point you know, guard. It's, it's not yeah. point guard like it used to be. But this is how all the point guards are. Now. Yeah, you just call point guards. Yeah, and it's just you know it's it's what Dame Lillard has, and it's mm-hmm. what you know what's what these guys didn't necessarily have. The, the second they entered the league, but Dame and, you know, Steph and all of these players found it pretty quickly and Ja is finding it really quickly. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, it's, it's almost inconceivable to think of him as not an all-star already. I mean, he, because he's that good and, you know, clearly he hasn't made an all-star team yet. Um, and he's improved significantly already this season, but y- y- he's a star and you just see that when you look at him on the court. <laughs> So I, I take it he made your list somewhere. Yeah, he uh, he he was. Uh, I kind of had uh, Miles and Lamelo as as my co people at the top, and then John Morant right there. So okay, so my number two uh, was Shea Gilgis Alexander with the Thunder. Uh, I thought he didn't get enough love last season for the improvement he showed after Chris Paul left. He took on more of the offensive burden. He went from being the the, the basically the off ball guard to the on ball guard, uh, making things happen uh, as a scorer, as a distributor. Uh, he improved his outside shooting, uh, his ability to shoot off the the dribble from outside. Uh, he, he just looked like a, a budding star. He's still young. Maybe has backslid just a little bit this year so far. Small sample. Not really worried about that. Still number two on my list. And you know, really. Uh, the only like good offensive player, maybe good player period on the Thunder right now. Uh, they've got some intriguing young players, but like at this point, Shea Gildas Alexander draws so much defensive attention. Like no wonder uh, he's dropped off just a little bit this year. But I still have him number two. I don't think he'll get there this year. The Thunder are terrible, and you know he's not playing at his highest level. Uh, but what he's shown so far, I feel very good about him. Yeah, I actually Shea Shea was uh, like eleven on my list, so I didn't put him. Oh wow! I like how different these are gonna be. I I love I love Shea, Uh, and I I you know I think uh, you my opinion on um you know him him making an all star team will will shift significantly when he's not on the Thunder anymore. Um, so so I I think you know I think I think he had an incredible season last year that was, that was ignored. Uh, you know, he's off to a little bit of a slower start this season than he was last season. Um, you know, it's hard on a team that, uh, doesn't have, there's no clear vision in Oklahoma city yet. I think they're getting a little bit closer with, with Josh Giddy this year. Um, but there's there's questions about you know Shea's been mentioned in trade rumors. He's still a super young player, and so what if if your if your goal is to rebuild? Why are when you have a player like him? Why is he not the focus of the rebuild? Um, you know that that's that's a huge question for me with Oklahoma City, and will he ever have? kind of the the system and the support around him there if they just view him as a, a really good asset that they can turn into future assets and roll over which they've been doing with you know with players the last few years so that's that's the hard hard question for me with Shea I think if Shea gets traded this year and he's on uh you know a team that understands how really talented he is uh and how much actually defensive potential he has too um uh, the, you know, I think I think he's he's you know he he 
there's a good case. He could have been an all-star last year. So, um, so, so, you know, he's, he's someone who's in that, you know, you mentioned that six to 15 range where you had a lot of people where you could have, you could make arguments and move people around a lot. You know, Shea was in that range for me where, you know, he, I could see him as high as top five on my list in the right scenario, but Oklahoma city is such a weird scenario for me right now. Well, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that they don't believe in him that way. They gave him a max contract pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, that that showed a lot of faith in him. I think there's a lot of assumptions that where they are in rebuilding that he's too good and, and too far ahead for, for their timeline and they'll move him and maybe they will. Uh, they indicate they won't. And the biggest indication is they give him the max contract. Now that can be overstated too, right? He's very tradable on that max contract. Teams would line up to get him. It's yeah. not like they're, they lost value with him by giving that max contract. In fact, they probably increased it by getting yeah. under team, team control. That's the type of thing that gives me confidence in raking him so high. Number two on my list. Uh, when you're on a max contract and teams covet you that, and you're his age, that to me is a strong sign uh, that you're an all-star range. Uh, so we've been through both of our top threes. Uh, my number seven, Miles Bridges. Your number eleven, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, who is your number four? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my four or five because they're teammates again, and it's it's gonna be weird. Uh, but I think that's why you had me on here to get weird. Um, so I love Scotty Barnes and wow. Onunoboy on the Raptors, and you know Onunoboy, yeah. Part of this, is, you know, this isn't homerism, but it's uh, tertiary homerism because the Raptors <laughs> from their championship uh, until even now, uh, so much of the way they play and some of the players they have remind me so much of like the 2004, 2005 era Pistons. And, you know, not necessarily the exact same style, but the toughness they play with. The the fact that there isn't always, you know, other than when Kawhi was on the title team, there isn't always a clear cut superstar in the mix. Just a lot of really good, tough players who, uh, you know, who often seem like really angry. And, <laughs> you know, I love how they play. I think uh, Scotty Barnes has been an absolute monster out of the gate. Um as a as a rookie, I think he fits in with uh you know exactly with like uh with with Ananobi, but you know Siakam and 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 you know some of some of these you know Siakam is a great case of a player that they've actually built kind of out of nowhere into an all star. Um, I think OG is on his path to that <laughs> this year. Like people love him. You know, across the league, when you talk about what he does offensively and defensively, you know, his offensive game has been kind of the the, the slower part that's developed. Um, but defensively, he's been a monster. He guards multiple positions. And Scotty Barnes is that same sort of thing. You don't know exactly what it is. You can't pinpoint what it is that's great about them, what they do. But they do so many things so well. And I think when we're talking about all-star uh, selections, um, a lot of times that that comes from team success. And the Raptors are surprising everyone again. And actually, even last season, you know, the Raptors missed the playoffs, but they were the most hard luck team in the league. And, you know, a, a, a roster full of people win healthy that that just play with so much clear effort that have uh, that that have a style and and an attitude and 
Um, you know, a lot of guys who came out of nowhere. And I think that those those are guys who are going to develop into really, really good players. We're never going to look at them. We're never going to look at Siakam necessarily like superstars. But players that you would die to have on your roster, players that are going to at some point have a breakthrough season that you're going to you're going to say, OK, that guy's an all star. And, um, you know, I have them both right there. Well, I I, res- I respect you uh, going out there with it. Neither one of them cracked my top 16. They were both players who are on my longer list of consideration. I don't think they're absolutely crazy picks, but I think they're somewhat crazy. Uh, I think you made a good point about why they won't be all-stars. Uh, when you talk about how they're kind of underappreciated doing those little things, I think that's less likely to be warden also. You're right. Team success does make a difference. Uh, I think... Uh, voters will tend to just give that to a leading scorer, which could end up one of these two guys. Anobi has been more aggressive with the ball this year. He's a solid shooter, very good defender, love the mentality he plays with. He's a little too out of control still uh, when he when he's going toward the rim. Uh, doesn't have that refined off-the-dribble game that I'd like to see for somebody who I'm going to project as an all-star. Scotty Barnes, like a lot of what I've seen in similar ways, it's really hard to hit that star ceiling if you're not a shooter. And he doesn't look very close to being an outside shooter. Not that he can't do it. Not that it's impossible, but it's really hard for me to project that. Yeah, no, the, 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 listen, I think the, the best part of this exercise will be like my attraction to just style and yours to like, there's no data that suggests that's possible. <laughs> That's like totally, totally fair critique of those picks. But I, you know, I think that that was, I think that, you know, you know, obviously a team and an era of basketball that I still adore is that Pistons run. And, you know, the, the foundational element of that team was they were all super weird in terms of what they did well. And, you know, that resulted in, you know, Rip Hamilton made all-star teams and, you know, Rashid Wallace made all-star teams and Rashid Wallace could care less about that sort of thing. And, and actually most of the time didn't have uh, the, the, at least the superficial stats that suggest that he should even be there. And, you know, there, there over time was an appreciation for what he did that resulted in him, you know, him, him making that team when they had all four on the same team. And I think that the, you know, again, I, the the Raptors run has been totally different from that Pistons run. And, you know, they had a they missed the playoffs, so they haven't had that same sort of sustained success. But what they build and what, you know, in terms of a team you can look at and say, you know, it's it's college like. But, you know, they have a program that they, they build there and they have they have underappreciated um, unheralded players who go there and thrive. You know, Fred Van Fleet is another example of a dude who um you can't always you can't pinpoint why fred van fleet van fleet has been a successful nba player but he has been and he's tough and he does things super well and you know that's um you know maybe that won't result in an all-star uh, appearance for these guys but it's a style and it's something that's recognizable and i think that that matters over time. So, you know, those are players I look at as like, they're not going to break through. Scotty Barnes isn't going to be an all-star this year or next year, but you know, he might be on the Mike Conley track where over time and consistency and doing things super well and tough and, and 
just always being a good player, you get kind of like the Lifetime Achievement Award All-Star appearance like Conley did last year. So, you know, I think that that's a factor in kind of discussions like this. Who are who are people who aren't going to be, you know, these young superstars out of the gate uh, in, in a couple of years? But, you know, you you can look at them and say, that's that's a dude who is going to have a really exceptional 12 year career and and maybe won't be a star, but he'll be a near all star every year. I mean, I do think the big thing working for both of them is the Raptors track record of development. You mentioned Van Vliet, uh, Siakam, I mean, Chris Boucher, I mean, just on and on the number of players they've developed and, and gotten better. I, I think they've got a fantastic system in place. And I think Barnes and Noby have the mentality and the tools uh, to really thrive regardless and then add the Raptors development system. It gives you a chance of being right here. I don't think you're going to be right, but it gives you a chance. <laughs> uh, so my number four is Anthony Edwards on the Timberwolves. Uh, I love how much he improved throughout his rookie year. Uh, he was really bad the first half of last season. Uh, really bad. It's one of the reasons I didn't have him as high on rookie of the year or, you know, I, I ended up putting on my all rookie first team, but like I didn't view that as an absolute, absolute lock uh, because I look at the whole season. But by the end of the year, he was playing awesome. Uh, he's got the the size, the physicality, the athleticism. Uh, shooting is a little up and down, but you can see it there. Uh the mentality, I think, to be a star. I think he's got all the tools and is on track to put them together at such a young age uh, that I feel pretty good about him. What do you think? Yeah, he was actually number five on my list too. Like, I, I love, I love Anthony Edwards as much as I love any player in the league. And I think, you know, obviously, uh, NBA Twitter loves Anthony Edwards too. Um, so, you know, part of that is his kind of charm and charisma. And, uh, um, but he, you know, the he plays he plays that wing position so uniquely. I mean, he's, he's humongous and, and strong. And, you know, as a young, really young player coming into the league to have the, the, the strength and the physicality that he plays with is so unique. And, um, you, you know, when you, when you mix in, uh, the fact that he was in a weird situation in Minnesota, um, you know, coming into the league, uh, and, and all of the instability that that franchise has had, he got off to a horrendous start, as you mentioned, and, uh, put, you know, in the midst of all of that, put together, a a really great, I mean, no one thought LaMelo ball was going to had any shot of losing the rookie of the year award last year. And Anthony Edwards made that a race out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, you know, a, a testament to someone in a, in a situation that, um, you know, is, you know, ju- judging by even like Carl Anthony Towns comments on the situation in Minnesota <laughs> earlier this year, like that's a, no one, no one would love for a young play, a young talented player to, to end up in a situation like that. And, you know, again, I think the Timberwolves are fun. I hope they turn it around. So it's no shade intended at, you know, at that team. I think they have some fun players there, but for him to be able to turn around kind of a, a situation for a number one pick to get scrutinized at, with his poor start, um, you, you know, it's, it, it was remarkable. And, and, you know, I think, uh, you, I think people like to kind of, 
laugh at how funny he is and how charismatic he is in interviews. But I also think that that is just also a part of what explains why he turned it around. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's smart and thoughtful and And cocky. Yeah. And, and it works for him. Yeah. And he was able to make a a hard situation work. And, you know, that's, you know, when you talk about what makes a player an all-star caliber player, a, a lot of it has to do with mentality. And like, there's no one with a with more of a star mentality than Anthony Edwards among these people we're talking about. It, you know, or maybe not no one, but like it definitely. When you I'd say about, no one, yeah. Like, when you think about players who carry themselves like stars, uh, Anthony Edwards carries himself like a star, and you know that there may be no statistical thing that can back that up, but the personality element of it is significant, and the interest level is, that that people have in just someone's personality uh, is is influential in determining things like all star appearances. And so Anthony Edwards is gonna, you know, he's gonna make multiple, I think. Um, so. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, will also just be a really fun player to watch because he plays that position so physically and so differently than a lot of uh, wings playing that, that spot right now. So I say nobody matches his, his star mentality among players who we're going to talk about, but I think the player who comes closest is next on my list. Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets, who in his first playoffs uh, was going to his press conference basically complaining about not getting enough touches. Uh, He has that mentality, and he's developed into a player worthy of it. To have his size and his shooting stroke uh, is special. He can shoot off the bounce. It's not just, oh, a spot-up shooter. We've seen, you know, he... Uh, tall spot up shooter. He's not Steve Novak, right? He he's doing things off the bounce. Uh, he he is such a talented, creative scorer, and it's it's all uh, with the backdrop of that shooting stroke. He can get that shot off from multiple spots on the court, from beyond the arc, inside the arc, attack the rim. Uh, I'd like to see his all around game develop more, but he's young. And he has the tool. Size goes a long way. Uh, People misunderstood what small ball was about. Small ball was about getting more skill on the floor. It's still always been beneficial to be taller. If you have some speed, he can move. He's fluid. The back injury still scares me a little bit, right? He's turned into a really good player. He's been playing. He's been healthy. But there's still that small part of me that wonders how long it'll last, whether there's uh, something structural there that, that could derail him in the long term. But still in my top five, uh, he is the last of the players before I get into a deeper morass uh, of guys where I'm just not sure how to rank them the six through 15 range I mentioned. Uh, but I feel pretty good about Michael Porter Jr. as a special scorer becoming an all star. Yeah, I have him. I have him eight. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things you uh, articulated are, are, are how I feel about him. Um, you know, just, yeah, you know, not, not to say that he's in the same category as Kevin Durant, but when you look at Kevin Durant and, and, and understand that he's seven, seven, one and, and does the things he does, uh, so fluidly and, you know, uh, Michael Porter Jr. has those qualities as someone at his size, to, to move the way he does and have the skill set he does, um, you know, it's super rare and uh, you can't discount that. The thing I'd like to see more of from him, uh, you know, he's gotten off to a really slow start this season at a time when the Nuggets, you know, really needed him to to not get off to that slow start with Jamal Murray out. Um, 
you know, so I, you know, he, he obviously has kind of the, the all-star swagger and the way he carries himself, you know, you would like to see him uh, emerge into that role next to Jokic as, you know, as that second guy that Jamal Murray has been, um, you know, it's an opportunity for him. So, you know, obviously the season's still young, um, but, you know, that's that's kind of what I'd like to see more of out of him is, uh, you know, uh, you know, along with kind of the defensive consistency, um, he has the athleticism and the size and the physical tools to be a better defender than he's shown he is. Um but yeah, a guy that every every box that you want to check off, like he has it and and he'll be there. I have no doubts, you know, other than other than the lingering kind of injury questions that he has. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The ability to get there. Okay, so I think we've gotten through your... Top six with Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball, John Morant, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Ananobi, Anthony Edwards. And then your number seven is? Uh, so so my number seven is going to be R.J. Barrett. Ooh. And uh, uh, did not crack my top 16. Uh, barely so- cracked my list of like also considered. So, you know, the, you know, part of that is just the New York factor. Um, yeah. RJ, RJ Barrett plays for a team that a lot of people are interested in. So there's probably players that, uh, you know, you would look at at that, at that, you know, two, three spot uh, and say, you know, they're, those are, those are better prospects than RJ Barrett. Um, he's gotten better each year. He's in the league. Um, you know, he, he didn't look like someone who is going to develop into a capable shooter. Um, you, you know, I think, uh, uh, probably, uh, a trait that I tend to maybe overvalue is just people who seem to exhibit kind of work ethic. And, um, you know, I think everyone in the NBA works hard, but people who come in and say, have, hey, I've, I've added a new element to my game each year, um, you know, RJ Barrett strikes me as the sort of player who does that. Um, he's, he's worked to make himself a reliable shooter. Um, you know, I think that especially playing for a coach like Tom Thibodeau, uh, he's a player who can become a really good defensive player. Um, you know, so do I, do I think RJ Barrett is going to be a superstar? Probably not, but playing in a huge market on a, on a team that's good, um, 
you know, I think I think that he's someone that will be looked at as a as a potential all star. And, um, you know, he's he's still young. He's still getting better. He's still adding things to his game. Um, so, uh, you know, some, some of those maybe non-statistical factors, uh, wait why I put him so high, but I, but I also think he's a really good and improving young player. You make a fantastic point about playing in New York. That definitely boosts him. And, and you're right. He has improved every year. And I also put a lot of stock into that. Uh, I think he started off at a very, very low point. Uh, so improving every year, uh, I mean, I, I thought his improvement, Last year was superb, and a tick above that this year. We'll see where his shooting uh, lands. I think he's probably a bit above his head, shooting uh, 43% on six uh, three-point attempts per he, game so far. Yeah, I mean, last year, last year at about at, right at 40%. Though. Sure, sure. I mean, if he's if he's at 40, 43 is uh, yeah. pushing it for him. But, you know, if he's there, then he's, a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good pick if that's where he's at. Um, I see his court vision improving some. As he goes, uh, I'm with you on Thibs coaching up his defense. To me, the fact that I didn't really have him in there, uh, I think, says something about the volume of good young players in the league right now, uh, more than it says something about R.J. Barrett. At certain points in the league's history, if we did this, a player of R.J. Barrett's caliber would have probably been higher on both our lists. I don't say that as a huge knock on him, but I did have some other guys higher. Uh, one of them is Tyler Hero from the Heat. Uh, roughly year last year, but before that was really on this this path, uh, stepping up big in the playoffs, showing what he could do as an off-ball creator. And this year, I think he's getting back to it. Uh, that combination of on-ball and off-ball scoring, what he can do off the dribble, what he can do in the pick-and-roll creating for himself. Yeah, he's coming off the Heat's bench. It's going to be hard for him to make an all-star game as long as he's a backup, but he's still so young in his early 20s. I think there's a chance this could grow into a, a bigger role where he's starting and then getting that type of all-star consideration. He's finishing games. Like he, he he's doing everything you want to see where uh, he'd be on that, that track eventually, but he probably does need to get into the starting lineup, prove he can do it uh, in more minutes against stars. Not that he's not playing plenty against stars, but prove they could do it in even more minutes against starters to get there. Uh, but given his age, I like what I see right now. Yeah. I had, I had Tyler hero nine. Um, I, you know, I, I, Tyler Hero has a rap song named after him. Like, uh, <laughs> also, Mo, Mo Bamba is your number ten. <laughs> no, no, I, I. But you know, we, I, I think that the the argument around All Star appearances forever has been around you know how much how much does actual production matter versus you know the 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 stylistic external how much do people know about this guy factor and um, you know a my my stepdaughter is 19 and on tiktok all the time and she knows a ton about tyler hero and could give a care less about basketball so <laughs> so like you know tyler hero has has the intangible qualities that make someone uh regularly considered for all-star appearances and you know so far this season you know he's he's played exceptional off the bench um you know uh you know miami miami is such a uh interesting place for him to play too because um you know he, he you know obviously he's a reserve but um you know he's he's playing behind a, a you know a point guard in Kyle Lowry who you know likes his rest and so you know I think he's going to get a ton of chances this season to uh kind of do exactly what you said get get some minutes to show he can do the same thing against starting level competition um and you know I think that he's uh 
you know, that, that other aspect we've already talked about, about guys who conduct themselves like stars, you know, Tyler hero is comparing himself to Trey young and Luka Doncic and uh, wants to be in that conversation. So, um, you know, obviously the, the work has to match that, but you know, his improvement so far and his, uh, his, his, kind of the the love he has for those big moments uh that he showed in that playoff run um you know tyler hero is a is a pretty easy choice to put in the top 10 so one uh knock i could have on him i guess is what he's doing kind of as a mid-range player uh, i think is very valuable in the playoffs at a time when defenses can set and better take away the higher efficiency areas of the court, take away shots at the rim, take away three-pointers, and sometimes it comes down to who can make mid-rangers. That's where he really thrived uh, the other year for the Heat in the playoffs. Uh, those might be things that show up more in the postseason, where in the regular season his impact, hey, he's not quite as efficient, uh, doesn't quite have the numbers, like maybe it looks more like a borderline all-star, where some he's somebody who's like consistently stepping up in the playoffs. I can see that. Uh, that outcome for him, but it's so it's such a fine line to thread, right? And and he'll get the benefit of the doubt the next year. If you step up big in the playoffs, you'll get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you can go back and look after that Heat 2020 uh, finals run. Look at where in the, and everybody who does their preseason like top 100 NBA players list or whatever. Look where Tyler Hero ranks coming into last season, uh, ridiculously, ridiculously high. So he'd get the benefit of the doubt if that's how it pans out, where he's doing well in the playoffs and. Uh, probably can get close enough the following regular season uh my number eight we have not mentioned uh well i guess you mentioned scotty barnes we haven't mentioned any other rookies uh my number eight is evan mobley on the cavaliers so we're we're already getting to number three and number four in the draft we haven't mentioned one or two although i'm know that we'll at least talk about them uh evan mobley i think could be a very very special defensive player at a time when teams are better than ever at scheming limited centers off the floor. Evan Mobley uh, just looks incredible in his ability to protect the rim and move his feet on the perimeter. His mobility for his size is, is, is so incredible. Uh, I, I think he can put that together and just be a special, special defensive player. He's already looked good. It's hard for rookies to be good defensively. He's already looked good, already building a reputation. So much of defense is about reputation when it comes to things like all-star. Uh, and then I, I think he's got some tools offensively. Uh, maybe scoring inside with his size will come along. Uh, some potential as a shooter, some potential as a passer. Uh, I think does some cool things as a ball handler. I'm not sure how he puts that together. There's plenty of time. I don't think he's necessarily close to being an all-star. But if we're just talking about some point in his career, given the early returns and how highly I thought of him coming into the draft, uh, I've got Evan Mobley number eight. Yeah, Evan Mobley was was my number 10. And honestly, like a lot of uh, I, I really debated sliding him up even higher than that. Uh, I love Evan Mobley. I actually just love big men. And <laughs> so, um, you know, seeing someone, you know, in a, in, you know, where where there's this, this narrative that that big guys can't thrive in the NBA anymore, which is, you know, it's a dumb narrative, but it's still out there. Um, 
you, you know, to, to see a, a rookie come in and especially into kind of a messed up situation in Cleveland. And he's in a, you know, they have a team there where they just, you know, they invested so heavily in Jared Allen and Kevin Love is still hanging around and they traded for Markinen. And so there's all of this weird, like, what are they even doing in that front court? At, you know, and then and then he's in that mix and he's already established himself as such a valuable player, um, you know, such a smart player at a young age, um, you know, so so, you know, again, the, the offensive stuff, it, you know, and the, those sorts of stats that make uh, kind of stronger all star cases, um, you know, he's not quite there yet, but uh, the way he uh, already impacts the game defensively. You know, number one, such a gift to Cleveland that they stumbled onto that, and and also just just uh, you know a player that you look at and 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 say like if you know if if the shooting range develops uh, or you know the the offensive game, and I think the player he's most often compared with offensively is you know Chris Bosh and what Chris Bosh looked like when he first came into the league and how quickly he kind of developed that uh, offensive game, um, you know, Evan Mobley, I think the sky is the limit for, for, you know, what he can do and uh, you know, what he actually means for how teams kind of start relooking at like, Hey, we actually need skilled big guys on the court um, and, and, you know, figure out how to use them effectively. Yeah, I mean, I had him number three on my draft board. Uh, if the Cavaliers kind of lucked into him, and I think they did, the luck is drawing the number three pick in the lottery in a year where there's a prospect so good at number three. I don't think, right. like, he fell too far, um, although where we have him now, maybe he did. But at the time, I, I just thought, like, wow, they are very fortunate that there's somebody that's good there at number three. That's not the case most years. Right. No. And, and, you know, most of that, most of that should just be taken as a, as a shot at the Cavs because, uh, you know, I still, I still love to take shots at the Cavs for all <laughs> of the lottery luck they've had over the years. So, um, you know, to, to a, a year when they finally don't get the number one pick, uh, you know, they, they get a player who, you know, early on, you could make a case that he's been the best player in this draft. And, um, you know, so so they finally don't kind of have a number one pick that uh, uh, that that people get annoyed that they they had luck to get again. And, uh, you know, what do you know, they get they get maybe the best player in the draft so far. So um, so. So, yeah, but I, I you know, I think that you're 100 percent right with uh you, you know, with how with how you assess what he has already shown he can do as a rookie, um, you know that skill set is so rare. And you know, again, I'm I'm, you know, someone who grew up with my two favorite favorite players have been Dennis Rodman and Ben Wallace. So these guys, these guys who can uh, influence the game with just intelligence and instincts defensively. Um, you know, are so rare and Evan Mobley could be one of those guys. Um, you know, he, he's not there yet, but some of the instincts he's already shown in a weird situation, um, you know, it's, 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 it's super remarkable. So we'll go just a little bit out of order here to my number 10, then come back to number nine. My number 10 is Cade Cunningham, the number one pick in the last draft. Uh, he would have been higher if he hadn't come back from injury to play yet. He has looked atrocious, and it's a little concerning. It's just a couple games. I'm not panicking. I still have him 
10th on my list. Uh, it's hard for me to just forget everything I saw coming into the draft. Uh, the player with the smooth shooting stroke and the good size and strength and, and ball handling and just ability to, to control the game, uh, all those positive attributes. But man, uh, these couple games have not looked good. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to panic, but anytime someone gets mentioned in the same conversation as like Anthony Bennett, you get <laughs> you get freaked out, and I, uh, uh, you know, that's another dig at the Cavs, by the way. <laughs> um, but uh, no subtlety here. I actually had I actually had Cade just outside my top ten for now. Um, you know, clearly still hope that. Uh, you know, that, that that's wrong. I do think, I think that the way that his injury was handled was super weird. Uh, some of, some of that plays into just history with the Pistons and, um, you know, the, uh, the, the comparisons of Cade Cunningham to Grant Hill, like off the bat. And then all of a sudden Cade has this weird ankle injury that no one can explain. Um, I think probably heightened some anxieties. So, you know, my hope is again, that the injury isn't, isn't all that serious. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, the right approach with him was to take it, uh, take it slower. Um, so maybe he, maybe he rushed back. Um, you know, I also had some, uh, you know, a friend that I, that I talked to who, who said that, like Kate actually wanted to play. Maybe they were overly cautious with him. Maybe he would have been fine if he, if he played and uh, you know, so, so who knows what uh, you know, what the, what the real story with the injury is. I don't think they did him any favors uh, in, in how it's been handled. And uh, but I still, you know, I, I still think he's a, I think he's a great prospect. Um, you know, he looked really good in, in his summer league performances Um you know, I don't think that there's any real reason to panic yet, but to be able to put him on a list and say, these guys are our future all-stars um, based on those two games he's played so far, <laughs> you can't do that quite yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I he's looked like Anthony Bennett in two games. I don't read obviously too, too much. And I think it was Tom Haberstrow uh, had a good stat that basically uh, anybody who comes in as a number one pick with the type of accolades uh, that Cade Cunningham has, be, like the average is two all-star appearances, something like that. Um, you know, Anthony Bennett wasn't that great at UNLV. He showed some potential, uh, probably mm-hmm. deserved to be an all-star, or not, excuse me, a lottery pick. Uh, but Cade has the combination of a track record of being way, way better in college. And after going through the pre-draft uh, process, everybody assessing him, uh, being deemed by Troy Weaver, who has proven to be a good judge of talent, worthy of the number one pick. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think, you know, Cade, Cade wasn't a reach. And I think when Anthony Bennett was picked, I actually did the draft dreams for Piston Powered on Anthony Bennett and uh, felt like that was a reach. And, <laughs> you know, Anthony Bennett was one of those guys who had like tools that you looked at and people were like, yeah, that could be intriguing if all of these other things work out. Cade Cunningham was a star. And so, you know, that, that is, that should give, you know, every Piston fan out there some reassurance, you know, there's no reason to doubt the talent level and the upside that Cade Cunningham has. Um, And, and the maturity and responsibility and things like that, that he's shown. So, um, 
you know, I don't have I don't have those kinds of concerns that he's going to be a bust. But, you know, it does it does make me uh, question kind of the well, how the Pistons kind of have handled the, the injury and mm-hmm. whether they've put him in some positions where he wasn't equipped to succeed if he wasn't quite ready to play yet uh, because the pressure pressure on him to play for this franchise that has had no real hope for over a decade um, has been immense. And so, you know, you need to temper that if you're the organization and he's not ready, you need to know he's not ready. Um, and conversely, if the injury wasn't as serious as, as it, as it has played out, you need to let him play if he says he's ready to play. So, um, so who knows how they handled it, but I, you know, I think it's definitely been weird. Um, but you know, I, my hope the rest of the season is that he puts it all together and, you know, this podcast looks dumb because we didn't have Cade Cunningham on the top 10 by the end of the season. Well, I had him in my top 10. So if it, yeah. only you'll look dumb. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's fine. No one can, no one even knows what I write for. So, <laughs> uh, my number nine, uh, looks pretty dumb right now. Uh, I still have De'Aaron Fox on my list. He has been lousy this year, but he improved a ton his first year, second year, ticked it up his third year, took on even more burden uh, the year after that. Like, I don't know. It, it's hard for me just to completely throw him off the list. Now, uh, he was definitely on that all-star track. Uh, you know, as a scoring guard, the league is, in a lot of ways uh, is catered to those scoring point guards that we talked about. He's got the tools. He, he's so fast with the ball. He's gotten better at changing directions. He's improved as a shooter. Uh, he can distribute. Just checks a lot of the boxes of somebody on all-star track. He's just been really bad this year, so I'm not really sure what to make of that's what dropped him down all the way to number nine, but still made my list. Yeah, I love I love De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I didn't put him in my top ten. Um, I, you know, again because I think that King situation is so weird. They're a team I actually like watching. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what their upside is as a team, but uh, uh, you know, I think I think there's a lot of weird factors for him there. You know, they they have a million point guards on that team who are all kind of fun. And, uh, um, you know, so, so I, I don't know, but you know, he had that period last, last season from, you know, from early March on where he, he was an all-star, you know, in that period of time. And so, uh, skill set wise, um, and, and defensive potential wise, you know, his, his, his length and his quickness and, you know, his ability to be disruptive defensively. You know, I think he has so many unique attributes that, you know, that, that make him a a player that, you know, on paper, you know, that guy should be an all-star at some point really soon. Um, But, you know, again, like, you know, they have Tyrese Halliburton there and they have, uh, Buddy Heald there, who's not a point guard, but all their guards are so little and interchangeable. And um, you you know what what are uh, what are they doing with him? How do they view him? You know, obviously, you know he got a contract there, but um, you know how do you play all these guys and how do you maximize their potential and how do you ensure that uh, you know a really talented player doesn't get lost in the shuffle? And, you know, I don't that's that's what I don't have a lot of confidence in with the franchise. Uh, It's not a lack of confidence in him and his abilities. Um, 
you know, and it's not even to say that he needs to be traded to a different situation. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, how those pieces all fit together is still kind of murky. And, um, y- you know, that he, he seems like a guy who at this point in, in his career, especially after how he finished last season, uh, should have came into this season as the clear number one option on that team. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't always look that way out there. It looks like they're still figuring things out. Um, So that's the only hesitancy I have with him. But I think he's a super fun player to watch at his best. Um, You know, his his speed in the open court is, is insane. And, uh, and, you know, I think, I think he'll get there, but I'm, I I wouldn't say that I have a ton of confidence just based on, uh, you know, based on that, that kind of roster situation right now. Okay, so I think we've gotten all through our top 10. So I just want to make some quick mentions of some other players and then uh, hear your thoughts and see if there are any other players you want to mention that you gave some consideration to. These are in no particular order for me, but we just talked about De'Aaron Fox. Harrison Barnes has been really good for the Kings this year. We all went with all 20 of our slots. We gave to younger players, up and coming players. You know, Harrison Barnes, I wouldn't describe him that way. He's definitely uh, more established in, in the league already. He he had that max contract from the Mavericks and already played all the way through that. Didn't make an all-star team. He's playing like an all-star so far this year, small mm-hmm. sample, early start to the year. Like he might make us wrong already. It wouldn't be impossible for him to make the all-star game this year. Uh, CJ McCollum is another older player I gave some consideration to. Now that Mike Conley's made it, he might be the like the running best player never to be an all-star. He's He's been a near all-star a bunch of times in the mix, had a, had a very strong start to the season last year before getting hurt. Uh, in some ways has emulated it this year, has fallen off a little bit lately, bombing more three-pointers, making them. I think that's a good reconfiguration for his game. Jamal Murray with the Nuggets was definitely on an all-star track before he got hurt. Uh, the way he stepped up in his last postseason for the Nuggets, very impressive, uh, as he, especially as a young player. Uh, but after that ACL injury, I didn't quite have the confidence of how he'll come back. Jalen Green, the number two pick in the last draft, don't really have much more to make of him than to coming in the draft. Uh, talented electric score, a lot of potential. Is he going to put it all together? I'm not sure. Like he's right in the mix. Uh, DeAndre Ayton with the Suns. They don't think he's a max player. Don't think that's a crazy assessment. I think he could be a borderline all-star. He has the size. He has a lot of tools. He he has the mobility. I'm not sure he has the defensive recognition to be a a star on that end of the court, Uh, but he's improved a lot. He's better. He's solid on that end of the court. He wasn't always that way, and uh, he's going to rely on being set up offensively. He has a little bit of a shooting stroke, too. He can do some things. Uh, and then the last one who I had in my consideration was John Collins. As you talked about, uh, players on teams that win often get uh, more credit. The Hawks look pretty good. He's playing a key role there. He's shooting efficiently. He's scoring. He doesn't have the biggest role, so his numbers aren't quite as big as raw numbers as they were earlier uh, in his career. But he he's definitely making his presence felt, showing he can contribute to a winning team in that combination of still putting up pretty good numbers. Uh, had him on my somewhat considered list uh any of those guys you want to talk about anybody we haven't mentioned you want to talk about yeah i i would 100 percent agree with with all of those guys guys you mentioned um uh, i i would uh i i consider i actually considered all of them and they they um you know they they fell out of my top 10 mainly not because they they weren't deserving but i just wanted to talk about the weird players that i like (laughs) um 
but a, a few a few that I would add that I wouldn't necessarily say I have confidence that these players can break through and become all stars. But the Harrison Barnes example um, uh, of of an older player that at some point just puts it together, and you know I think we saw that last year with Julius Randle. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it with Jeremy Grant. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant didn't make an all-star team, but, you know, guys who got to a different situation and showed a little bit more ability based on an expanded role um, or different teammates or different system. You know, I think that that's always, uh, um, you know, a potential opportunity. And one guy I'd like to throw in that mix is Seth Curry. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that he'll get there, but obviously he's uh, – because of his family, he's a well-known player. Um, I think uh, I think in the analytics crowd, Seth Curry has always been kind of a beloved player uh, who hasn't always gotten um, necessarily opportunities. But he's in a situation in Philadelphia where uh, he's he's playing a lot, uh, and then combined with the fact that you know with with you know, the, the Ben Simmons situation unstable there uh, with Tobias Harris now in the health and safety protocols, like, you know, who's that secondary scorer on that team with, with uh, Joel Embiid and Seth Curry is a guy who is probably their second best player right now in terms of, you know, ability to, to score and put up points. And so, you know, he's a guy that can put up numbers and uh, you know, it wouldn't be a shock to see someone like him, uh, you know, sneak in, you know, it's what I say it's likely no, but you know, I, I, I like those, I, those older guys, those, you know, those Harrison Barnes like players that at some point in their career, just s- some things click and they, and they have, you know, a one-time all-star appearance. That's, that's cool. And that's a fun part of the all-star game. Um, so, you know, so oh. Seth, Seth Curry's 31 years old. I just don't think he has the ability to, uh, to create his own shot. Uh, that's going to get him there, right? He might even look better if Ben Simmons were playing and setting him up for three-pointers, and maybe that's the ticket. But then Ben Simmons has his own uh, shots, and that takes away from Seth Curry's role. I just don't think he's going to be in a situation where he can have that that exact right balance of being able to uh, be involved enough offensively, uh, but also playing with somebody who can involve him offensively because that's what he needs. Uh, Harrison Barnes is two years younger. It's not a huge difference, but Harrison Barnes is also doing it this year. Like Seth Curry's not making the all-star game this year. So you're relying on it coming together when he's 32 or older. Well, Uh, well, yeah, no, well, the the other, but the, the, you know, Harris just went out of their lineup, you know, this week. So, you know, know, again, super unlikely, but, you know, looking out for those players that uh, the right situation emerges. And, you know, what if Seth Curry has a really, hot first half and Philadelphia is still, you know, early in the season, they've still won, I think five of their first seven games. So with all of this craziness and chaos around that team, um, you know, they're, they're, they're still competing and they're still winning. And Embiid hasn't even played as, as well as he did last season. So, um, you know, how, how do you, you know, I'm not saying you attribute that all to Seth Curry, but like, you know, if he goes on one of his, his hot streaks shooting the ball, uh, and Philadelphia is really good by the All Star break. Um, you know, I, I I love those those stories and those players. So um, you know that's 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 always something that I think you know you can look for. And a couple of other, uh, I I wouldn't call them old or young players um, or, or prospects, I guess. Um, 
but you know we talked a lot about players who conduct themselves like all-stars and i think there's a huge benefit when players get to play around uh you know superstars and so two names i'm going to throw at you that are super weird and you're going to laugh at um and one is a homer pick wait hold hold on a second you thought you think i'm going to laugh at those after i kept it together for south curry i can't wait to hear these yeah no so so uh I'm going to I'm going to throw Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole at you. Applications <laughs> for both of those. So, um, you know, the 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 first part is the, those guys conduct themselves like all-stars. Like Kyle Kuzma has there's there's been no player who has loved Los Angeles more than Kyle Kuzma loved Los Angeles. <laughs> and and you know, he's in a situation in Washington now where um he you know, he's he's getting He's getting more shots and more opportunities. And Kyle Kuzma, I think Lakers fans love to joke about him and his shortcomings. Um, you know, but one of the things about him is he has worked himself into a pretty solid NBA player. And then in a situation like Washington where he's getting shots, uh, he actually shot super poorly tonight. Um, so it looked better before his stat line tonight. But, you know, he was averaging a double-double and had had really improved as a rebounder. Um you know, so so looking at you know, you know, not necessarily looking at Kuzma as a player, but looking at players whose whose situations somehow change. And again, like Jeremy Grant is a go to example for me. Uh, his situation and his role changed, and he was someone who had an All Star case last season. I think Jordan Poole isn't quite there yet, but I love. There's not a player I've loved watching early in the season more than Jordan Poole, just because. Uh, game to game, you never know what he's going to do. And when you see a guy out there starting next to Steph Curry and taking the same sort of <laughs> shot Steph Curry takes as confidently as Steph Curry is taking them, like that's crazy, that that confidence level for, for a player like him who's super unheralded. And he's had moments where he's looked exceptional. So he's also had moments where he's been completely awful. So... um you know, I, I don't think that that results in all-star status for all of these guys, but just looking at someone when all of the magic comes together at once, that's what makes the NBA such a fun league for me. And I think that, you know, I think that those are a couple of guys who, if the the magic goes their way, um, you know, you never know what could happen with them in, you know, in a hot first half of a season. So, um, but you know, that's the fun part of exercises like this. You get to, uh, you get to pick all of your weird favorite random players that have no shot at this, but you can make a compelling argument for them. Those are absolutely insane picks, but also I pulled up the box score from tonight. The Warriors Hornets game is on as we're recording this and Jordan Poole, 29 points on 10 of 18 shooting seven of 14 on three pointers, uh, as we near the end of the third quarter, uh, so it's hard at this exact moment to call it crazy. Yeah, uh, he's trying to make you right. Uh, let me ask you this. At the moment going into the draft of Draymond Green, nobody was higher on Draymond Green than you. You were the biggest Draymond Green believer in the world. I said, "What do you think he's going to make an all-star game in the NBA? What would you have said? On draft night, I wouldn't have, I would not have predicted that he would become the impact player he's become. Okay, well, that wasn't quite my question. I thought, I thought Draymond Green, 
on draft night, what I thought he would become is a is a really good journeyman sort of player who would who would carve out a role in the NBA for ten to twelve years, but not uh, an all star. Yeah, I did not. I did not think, uh, and would never pretend, I to to think he would become what he has. Um, but you know, Draymond Draymond Green and the, my my favorite story with with all of my Draymond Green love over the years is like the. Uh, there, there was a, a another journalist working in Flint at the time who always made fun of me for I've been predicting Draymond Green would make the NBA since his sophomore year at Michigan State, and uh, another journalist working in Flint who had a relationship with his high school coach in Saginaw said, "Lou Dawkins loves Draymond Green more than anyone on this planet, and he thinks you're crazy for thinking he'll make the NBA," and and. You know, a lot of that had to do with, you know, Draymond's body and, and you know, the, the the non-basketball work he's done to, you know, get himself in shape. But he, you have to have an imagination to to look at a player like Draymond Green, who's not special athletically. Um, you know, there's no elite skill offensively in terms of like shooting or scoring uh, that really translated. Uh, he's super undersized, like, uh, but a guy who can think his way through the game there's a spot for them in the nba usually and it doesn't always pan out uh draymond is obviously the dream scenario for that sort of prediction working but don't overlook people who have who have weird body types who have weird you know you know there's there's guys like that kyle anderson's like that there's you know a handful of guys like that all over the nba who have with none of the thing, the measurables, the things that people love to talk about, they've carved out really good roles and careers for themselves. And I, I thought Draymond Green would, you know, I didn't know who Kyle Anderson was at the time, but I would have, I would have probably predicted that Draymond Green would have a Kyle Anderson like NBA career. Um, So, you know, I can't, I can't say like I knew Draymond was going to be an Olympian and a hall of famer and a multi-time all-star. You know, I knew he was a winner and I knew that he was going to, do smart stuff that was valuable. Um, but, uh, you know, that I think that that's the sort of thing in basketball that gets really overlooked now. It's, you know, what does he produce statistically? What are his measurables? Uh, let's forget about all the imaginative artistic parts of the game. You know, just give me the hard data. And, you know, that's important, but sometimes you have to you have to think a little differently and a little creatively. And he also ended up in a great situation in Golden State where uh, there was an imagination there that said this super weird player can be really effective here with the other players that we have. And so, uh, you know, that's it's it's such an incredible story. And even for people who hate Draymond Green's guts, and a lot of Michigan fans hate Draymond Green's guts. Um, you know, rooting for a player like that is is incredibly easy. I don't think we hate Draymond Green's guts. I think we have, a, at this point especially, a, a lot of respect for how smart of a player he's turned out to be, how successful he's been. I can't speak for everybody. Yeah, no, I, I, but, I, think that, I think that that's the beauty of the rivalry. Like, there's, you know, there's a healthy appreciation from both programs for players who... Uh, you know, succeed in different ways. And you're like, that guy killed us. But like, after they go on to a professional career and do it at a high level, you're like, I may not love that guy, but I see his value and I, I respect what he's done. 
I brought up Draymond Green because I think it's a fantastic point about uh, your ability to scout these players, to predict these players. I think a lot of people listening are going to look at your list of 10 players and say you're crazy. And yeah. I'm one of them. But I've learned over the years, and I'm sure anybody listening, this list is, Patrick's list is not going to turn out as crazy as it seems right now. He has a, an incredible ability to see these things. In a decade, we'll look back on these lists, and I think this is going to be crazy, but I also know enough to know that I'm probably wrong about that. Like Patrick is on these things, and it's not just, oh, who's going to be an all-star, right? Some of these guys might fall short of all-star status, but if you're shooting for that, if you see players with that ability and they fall short, Maybe they don't fall short. Maybe maybe they're way higher, like like Draymond Green, or maybe it's somebody who you know. I don't think people necessarily re- remember what it was like on draft night. Draymond Green was a second round pick for a reason. Uh, the idea that oh he's going to carve out a career as somebody who really helps winners that was so far ahead of where most people had him. If people had him there, he would have been a high first round pick. That's a lottery pick if you know you can get that out of somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you went in the second round. Your ability to see this stuff is excellent. I'm so glad we got a a chance to talk about these. I can't wait to see how much better my picks are than yours. But also like, I'm going to argue mine are better, even if I'm wrong. So that's the thing you should know about me. Also, I'm, I am completely defeated this week. Uh, Whenever I thought things were going well for my side against Patrick's side, uh, it turned out not to be the case. And so uh, I'm also ready to throw in the towel with my picks against your picks. Um, What I'm also ready to do uh, is read your new Substack that's coming out tomorrow now. Uh, looking forward to that. You can follow Patrick on Twitter at Patrick underscore Hayes. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for uh, everything else. He's writing it too many places to, to keep track of, but he'll sometimes tweet out the links. Uh, Patrick, thanks for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, Dan. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, this this was fun. I'm I'm glad I shocked you with my picks. Yeah, uh, Seth Curry was a curveball. I didn't put him on the list. I just said let's talk about him. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.